Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm Jared Brummett, audio engineer and editor, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. In this episode, we're diving into the next installment of our study in Philippians. Rob delivered this message at World Outreach Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. As always, we'd like to invite you to visit robertjmorgan.com, where you'll find Rob's blog post, podcast feed, bookstore, free resources, and more. If you've not already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Now, here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Thank you. Please be seated. Good evening. I appreciate Pastor Jackson inviting me. I love that man, and it's a joy to be here with you. Some time ago, I acquired an autographed copy of a book by Meb Kafletsky, who is the famous marathon runner, about his 26 marathons that he ran. And he won in New York, he won in Boston, and he did one marathon for every mile of the race, and he told a lesson that he learned in every single one of these marathons. But the primary lesson was that in order to be successful, it doesn't take an occasional killer workout. It just takes consistency in your training. You just do something consistently every day. And if it's running, then you just run consistently, and there is something about that continual practice that makes you a winner. Well, the Bible uses running and racing as a metaphor for the Christian life. The Apostle Paul did it several times, but there is this one occasion when very brilliantly he talked about running and racing in such a way that we will win the prize at the very end. And it's found in Philippians chapter three. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to the third chapter of the book of Philippians. And I want to read this passage and I'll show you some phrases in it and then we'll go back and we will look especially at those phrases. But I'm beginning in the third chapter of Philippians and verse number eight. I'm breaking into the paragraph here, but we'll get the context as we go. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. That's the key to the whole paragraph. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. I've circled those two words in my Bible. Gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Notice those two words. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. Now, here is where he is bringing in the metaphor of running. 
I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. So here you have this wonderful paragraph, one of the greatest in Paul's writings, and the key thought is the surpassing value or the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Paul has already listed some of his accomplishments earlier in the chapter. He gave his pedigree. He gave his successes. But he said all of these things are garbage, and that's the word he used, rubbish, compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ. Now, just think about that. Verse 8, the surpassing value. That means nothing can compare to the value of knowing Christ. Not all of the money in the lottery. Knowing Christ is worth more than all of the mansions on the Gold Coast. It's better than having all of the real estate in Manhattan. All of the diamonds and the rubies and the precious stones that could fit into the biggest treasure chest on earth. All of the fame of all of the celebrities. Everything that you can imagine. All of the art and all of the galleries. You put it all together and it is not worth knowing Christ. It is all garbage compared to knowing Christ. What a remarkable thing to say. All of the wealth of the world put together, if it could be yours, the world has yet to see a trillionaire. But say you were a trillionaire. The wealth of all of the world is garbage compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ. Well, what then does it mean to know Christ? Well, according to this passage, there are three phases in the process of knowing Christ. There are three phrases here, and the three phrases give us the three phases of knowing Christ. It's sort of like a couple. You know, when they go through their relationship, there are three phases. They meet and begin dating, and then they get engaged, and then they get married, and the relationship progresses. It's like that in our relationship with Christ. And the first stage here is to gain Christ. Now, that's a very unusual phrase, but look at it again, beginning in verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, and here is a little miniature summary of the book of Romans, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So, I have never used this language before. I mean, I have been preaching and teaching and sharing Christ since I was a teenager, But I have never asked anybody, have you gained Christ? I'll say, have you received Christ? Or have you accepted Christ into your life as your Lord and your Savior? Or have you invited Jesus into your heart? 
But for some reason, I've never thought about this particular word. Have you gained Christ? But that's what Paul is talking about here. Have you gained him on the basis of the justification that comes between us and God on the basis of faith and on the basis of grace? So gaining Christ here is the phrase that Paul uses for what we would often say, have you received Christ as your savior? But have you ever thought of that word to describe it? Gaining Christ. Well, that's the act whereby we recognize that we can never get to heaven on our own, that we are all imperfect, but that God loves us, and that Jesus came to earth and died for us on the cross and rose again, and on the basis of his shed blood, we have a basis for the atonement that needs to take place for the forgiveness of our sins and for us to be reconciled to God, and it is called gaining Christ. And maybe someone here, you've never done that before. The Gideons International, which distributes Bibles all over the world and puts them in hotels, they gave me a book recently of their 100-year history. And there was a story there about the baseball player, uh, Oral Hershiser. And the story was, and I had never heard this before, he was not a believer, but he was signed on to one of the teams, and he was at training camp with his fellow player who was also his roommate. And this guy read the Bible all of the time. And Hershiser said to him, why do you read that stuff in the Bible all the time? And the man said, because it means everything to me. And Oral Hershiser picked up a copy of the Gideon's Bible that was there in the hotel room. He began to read it. And as he read, he was convicted. He fell down on his knees and he confessed his sins, and by faith he received Christ as his Savior, and he was changed, a changed man from that point on. And you know, he loved to sing the doxology afterwards, and he would sing it in the clubhouse, he would sing it in the showers, he would sing it, he even sang it on the Johnny Carson show, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. They said, what's your favorite song? He said, I'll sing it for you. And he sang, praise God from whom all blessings flow. He had gained Christ. So I would like to ask you, have you gained Christ? Is there a point in your life when you can say, I really met God on the basis of Christ because of his grace and the faith that he allowed me to exercise towards that grace in a way that made me a follower of him? Well, that's the first phase of knowing Christ is gaining him. Now, the second phase is continuing to get to know him better. So look down at verse 10. Paul said here, I want to know Christ. Now, look at that again. I want to know Christ. Well, we say, Paul, you already know him. You met him on the Damascus Road. You've already been saved. You have already gained Christ. What do you mean? I want to know him. Well, when I was in college, someone gave me a copy of the translation of the Bible that is called the Amplified Bible. And this has been around for a long time, but it takes the Greek words and in the Old Testament, the Hebrew words, but it takes and gives you the synonym so that it really stretches out the verse. And so I began reading that Amplified Bible for my devotions for a while. 
And I came to this verse in the Amplified Bible. And this is the way I learned it just by reading it. This is what it says. For my determined purpose is that I may know him. That is, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more accurately and more freely. Now, that's a long translation, but I think that that is what Paul is saying. My determined purpose as I go through life is to get to know him better. And that's our purpose. Just because you met someone doesn't mean that you know them very well yet. And so we have to continue to get to know him. Hosea in the Old Testament said the same thing. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 3, let us know and let us press on to know the Lord. Because his going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Let us know and let us go on to know. The Lord Peter says that we should grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that doesn't just mean that we should know more and more about him, but that we should know him better and better. It's just like any other relationship. You know, when you meet someone, it doesn't mean that you know them very well. I've met a lot of people and I don't know them very well. And often I forget that I've met them or I can't remember their names. But there are some people And what do you do? You spend time with them. And you talk to them. And they'll tell you their story. Or they'll reveal their heartache. Or they will open up to you about something. And you'll do that with them. And the relationship becomes closer. I read an article the other day, don't ask me why, in Women's Health Magazine. And the article was 200 questions for getting to know someone better. And I began reading them, and they were really excellent. They put a lot of thought into it. The first one is, is what do you like to do on your day off? You know, so if you're trying to get to know somebody and, and you don't know how to go about it, then just here are some questions. What do you like to do on your day off? What was the best, best vacation you ever had? What are your hobbies? And I kept waiting for some of the questions to get sort of raunchy, but they never did. Just very good conversational questions for getting to know somebody better. The last one was, if you could change anything about yourself, what would it be? Well, you ask those questions and spend time with someone and you'll get to know them better. They'll get to know you better. And very likely you'll come to love one another more and more. It is exactly that same way in our relationship with God. The vertical relationship operates according to the same principles as the horizontal ones. So we get to know the Lord better by spending time with him, talking to him, and listening to him. That's the way we get to know the Lord Jesus better, is by conversation with him. So he speaks to us in the Bible, and we speak to him in prayer. Now, many of us have a certain time every day when we do this. It's an all-day-long affair because the Lord is with us all day long and we're to pray without ceasing. And when you're in the car or when you're going to bed or whatever it is, the Lord is there. But to have a special appointment every day when you can meet with him is what typically is called our quiet time. 
And I was amazed the other day to read a research paper by Lifeway, which said that according to their surveys, 65%, nearly two-thirds, of all Protestants in America say that they have a quiet time. They have some period during the day when they pray and read their Bible. Now, maybe it's only a moment. You know, maybe it's just an app on your phone or, or a quick prayer as you go out the door. But 65% of Protestants say that they have a daily time when they meet with the Lord. And I was mentored in this when I was a young person. But right now I have a little desk in my bedroom. I made the mistake of putting a bird feeder outside of it and that distracts me because uh, I've got this mockingbird that comes and dominates and terrorizes all the birds and I'll be trying to read my Bible and I feel like I should pray against that mockingbird. (laughs) But every morning there, I just pray and read my Bible and it isn't so much a routine or a ritual, it is a relationship. And God speaks to me in his word and I speak to him in prayer and it's Forgive me for this phrase, but you'll understand. It's my daily dose of Jesus. We need a daily dose of Jesus. Now, he's with us all the time. We can pray all the time. But Jesus said, when you go into your room to pray, close the door and talk to your father who is in secret. And it's a wonderful thing just to close the door and have time every day for meeting with the Lord in prayer I'm Bible studying. Right now, I'm going through the book of Titus, and I just take a verse or two every day, but there's many different ways of doing it. But you read your Bible, maybe you mark it all up, and you pray. And there is something about that simple habit, if consistently done, that allows you to grow closer and closer to the Lord Jesus, and you get to know him better and better. Like Like Paul said here, my determined purpose is that I may know him, that is, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more clearly and more fully. But even that is only the second phase of our relationship of getting to know him. We have one enormous problem when it comes to getting to know Jesus. There is a barrier. There is something that hinders us from getting to know him as well as we want to. And it's simply this. He's in another realm. He's in heaven. And we're on earth. And we cannot see him face to face. We cannot talk to him face to face. He rose from the dead. He ascended up to heaven. He is there now on the throne. We are down here. We can't see him up there. He sees us down here, but we are separated by the spiritual and the physical realms right now. And that hinders us from getting to know the Lord Jesus as fully as we would like to. Peter talked about this when he said in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, 
You believe in him and trust in him and it gives you a joy that passes all understanding. Well, if we love him now and trust him now and it gives us a joy, what will it be like when we see him face to face? And Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us right here, if we're alive still, if you survive this sermon, then you're at home in the body and you're away from the Lord. And he went on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for we live by faith and not by sight. We would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And so we make it our desire, we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. So we can know the Lord Jesus Christ right now by salvation. We receive him as our savior and we know him through the scriptures. He speaks to us and we can know him by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to go away. I've got to go away and I will send the Holy Spirit because when God became a human being, Jesus Christ, he is limited to his bodily form. Jesus is physically risen and on the throne in heaven. And if he were here on earth and we wanted to see him, we would have to go to Jerusalem and wait in a line. And you think the line at Starbucks is long. Imagine waiting in the line to be able to see Jesus. So Jesus said, I'm gonna go back to heaven and send the Holy Spirit who can be with every believer and in every believer and around every believer and can make me real to them. And that's the role and the job of the Holy Spirit is to allow us to live in the presence of Jesus Christ by the Spirit. But we're away from him. We are at home in the body and away from the Lord. And the moment we pass away, we are away from the body, but we are at home with the Lord. And we'll see him. So we have this barrier right now that keeps us from knowing him as fully as we want to. But look at what Paul said here. He said, beginning again in verse 11 or 12, not that I have already obtained this. Now, what is this? Knowing Christ fully. He said, I want to know Christ. I want to know him better and better, but I have not obtained this fully or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Why did Jesus Christ take hold of you? To know you and to love you and to bless you and to be with you. He said to the disciples, I desire that you be where I am. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. It is that which the Lord wants us to have his own presence. And Paul said, I've not already, already obtained it, nor have I arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, 
forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead and the future, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward, heavenward, upward, skyward, Christward, heavenward in Jesus Christ. When we see him face to face, then we will know him fully. Right now we can know him richly. You can know him richly, but in heaven we'll know him fully and that's the third stage. So this is, the Bible says a great deal about this. Um, And it's the Holy Spirit that is working with us now, allowing us to know him better. But one day we'll see him face to face. Now you can love someone and get to know someone even without being in their presence, literally. Without seeing their face, literally. I can prove that is true, I know it's true. Because with my wife Katrina, we were together in college and then I graduated before she did. And we were in South Carolina and I went on to Chicago to go to school and, and we were separated and we had never dated and we hadn't fallen in love. And back then we didn't have FaceTime or cell phones. It was very hard to communicate. You had to use pay phones. I don't know if you even know what that is. And so there'd be a phone booth in Chicago and I would have to coordinate, would have to do it all by writing. And she would write to me and say, I've got a phone booth near my apartment and here's the number on the phone booth. And I would say, well, be there at seven o'clock Eastern time and I'll call you from my phone booth. So I would go get all of the quarters and the nickels and the dimes that I could find and feed them into the phone and the operator would connect us and we could talk and that's the way, but we couldn't do that very often. It was very hard to arrange. So we wrote letters to each other and I still have all of them. And we actually fell in love by writing letters. So we weren't together very much. And I couldn't see her face and she couldn't see mine and we were a thousand miles apart, but I fell in love. You can fall in love with someone that you cannot see. The Lord is in heaven, but he sent us here a letter and he's given us the Holy Spirit. And so we can get to know him better and better as we go through life. But one day we'll see him face to face. That's when we'll get to know him. And this is what happened to Stephen. Do you remember when he was being stoned in the book of Acts for his faith, being stoned to death, being... And suddenly he looked up and he said, look, I see the throne of God in Jesus Christ standing there at the right side of it. And he was in heaven and he saw Jesus. And the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, for now we see as in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. In other words, I'll know Jesus just as fully as he knows me. And in Philippians chapter one, Paul talked about the desire to depart and to be with Christ which is far better. 
And John said, we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then in this wonderful verse in Revelation 22, it talks about the throne of God in the middle of New Jerusalem in eternity. And it says, the throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city. His servants will serve him and they, we shall see his face. And then we'll have all of eternity to be with him. There'll be no crowds or lines to wait in because we will have an infinite number of years and billions of years to walk with him and talk with him and ask him questions and dine with him. Jesus loved to have supper with people and to break bread with them. And we're given the indication in the Bible that throughout all of eternity, we can come and visit the Lord Jesus whenever we want to. And we've got all the time in the world to do it. And it will be a relationship of getting to know him better and better and more fully throughout eternity. But that's what Paul is talking about here. He says, there is a value to knowing Christ that surpasses the value of everything else in the world. And in fact, everything in the world is garbage compared to knowing him. And there are three phases to it. There is justification that I may gain Christ on the basis of the righteousness that comes by grace and through faith. And then there is sanctification that I may know him better and better. But then there is glorification when we are caught up to be with the Lord and we shall be with him forever and ever. And that's when we will be able to know him, not just initially and not just richly, but fully and eternally. Don't underestimate how wonderful that is going to be, the face of Jesus when we first see it. It's going to be as bright as sunshine, as wise as omniscience, as happy as grace, the smile, the welcome, the outstretched hand. This is why Paul said it's better to depart and to be with Christ and to see him face to face right now. So we are meeting him getting to know him better, and anticipating, straining towards the goal to win the upward call, the skyward call, the heavenward call of Jesus Christ. And in eternity, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. It will be worth it all when we see him Life's trials will seem so small when we see him. One look at his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see him. Amen. Now, if there, is, if there is someone here who would like to gain Christ tonight, or you'd like to know how to get him into a better place in your life, knowing him better and better. There'll be counselors and pastors here. As we're dismissed, then you come and you talk to them and someone here may need to know Jesus Christ as Savior. 
gaining him. So you come and we'll help you with that. And may the Lord help us all to know him better and better. One look at his dear face. Think about it. All sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see him. Will you stand for our benediction? And now, Lord, we pray that you would help us to gain Christ, to get to know him better, and to strain forward with all of our heart, running the race, to see him fully one day face to face. Lord, give us that anticipation and may the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all both now and forevermore. Amen.